Welcome to this edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Always great to have you with us alongside Blue Ribbon's Chris Dortch and Kevin Ingram. And uh, why is this man smiling? Well, that's because the Blue Ribbon Yearbook is done. 400 pages, did you say 60,000 words? Uh, Congratulations. It it looks fantastic. 600,000 words. Well, 60,000 would be some short previews, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I wrote that many myself. (laughs) Congrats, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'll tell you, it's always a relief. I tell people it's like taking a 747 off my skull when it's done. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, and it's really kind of a cool life lesson. Uh, I always tell myself, and I battle it, even though I've done this you know, for a quarter century now on my own, I always tell myself, do not think about the finish line. Think about daily progress. And... I tell all kinds of people that my kids, uh, you know, my students um, don't think about the end game. Think about what it takes to get there every day. And if you do that, you end up with a book. Uh, If you did it any other way, you'd freak out and, you know, try as you might. You set deadlines and stuff. And there's some people that just don't work that way. Some people just, you know, uh, philosophically, take you to the end they i don't know if I, I wouldn't go so far as to call anyone on our team a procrastinator but some people are busy with other things and some people push it off and and think man i can get this and meanwhile you're on the other end not having heard from somebody in a couple of weeks and you try not to think the worst but you know ultimately everybody gets gets done and we have a great team and we're going to talk to one of those team members uh, today but uh, yeah, I'm I'm always relieved. I think, like you said, you said you expected to see me on a beach somewhere. I I need to start building in time between projects because it seems like I finish one big project and then I kind of venture into the next. So. I need to get a little more downtime, maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, find that golf course and uh, spend some time out there. You have earned it for yeah. sure. Uh, it looks great. I've I flipped through it and read uh, some of the previews and things, and it just looks terrific. The cover features Hunter Dickinson of Kansas, Zach Eady of Purdue, Kyle Filipowski of Duke, Marquette's Tyler Kolick, and Justin Moore of Villanova. And it's interesting, Chris, that they're older players and in some cases, transfers. Moore is a graduate student. Filipowski is a sophomore. But the other three in that group, and they're the first-team All-American selections from Blue Ribbon, the other three in that group are seniors. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kolek and, and Dickinson have transferred. Uh, Justin Moore got hurt at Villanova. I think it was an Achilles tear. And so he's been around uh, as he's rehabilitated. So it's interesting. <laughs> My national newcomer of the year, this year is hunter dickinson and people think that's kind of funny but you know they'll say well he's no newcomer to college basketball and no he's not but he is a newcomer to uh kansas so that counts to me uh i remember watching a a game last year dane bradshaw was on the call uh and they were talking about does it count if if a player transfers within his conferences can he be uh the newcomer of the year and i texted dane and they actually talked about it on the air uh oh yeah no, i Chris remember watching that game yep. yeah yeah and i think it's you know yeah i mean he's, he's no newcomer to the league certainly but he's a newcomer to his team so technically that counts 
it's all part of what you have to think about in today's college basketball world, which has been turned upside down by conference shifting, portal, NIL. Uh, I was just looking up a, something for my class, and uh, I had assigned a story about Sakai Ziegler, which Dana O'Neill wrote, and I just thought it was a touching story that they should read. And I was looking up some stuff, <laughs> and Zakai now has his own mattress at <laughs> <laughs> some mattress store in in Knoxville. It's the ZZ mattress, and you know the picture shows him lounging on that thing. And and uh, I don't know, maybe we should call Zakai and see if you want to sponsor the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll check into that. That might be a great idea. As for the preseason top 25, Kansas number one, Purdue is number two, and then UConn, the uh, reigning national champion third, Marquette and Michigan State to make up the top five. Rest of the top ten, Tennessee, Duke, Arkansas, Creighton, and Baylor. The top two teams, they both flamed out on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament last year. No shame for the Jayhawks to lose a a tough second-round game against Arkansas, but for the Boilermakers, uh, just the ignominious loss to uh, Fairleigh Dickinson and only the the second-ever 116 upset in tournament history, uh, those things are hard for people to forget and hard for people to have confidence in you again. What did you see in those two teams as they kind of try to come back and have something to prove for this upcoming season? Well, I think that... Clearly, when Kansas got Hunter Dickinson, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of pundits say that he's the best portal acquisition of all time. And obviously, I mean, when you talk about all time, you talk about (laughs) transfers all time, even before the portal. Nobody that good from a power conference school has transferred to another power conference school. And, you know, Bill Self knows how to use big men. He he plays a high-low or... Hunter Dickinson can come out top and facilitate offense. Uh, Michigan had started letting him shoot more threes, which he can make. And he's also a great, unstoppable, low-post player. So coupled with their returning players uh, and some other acquisitions out of the portal, Artario Morris being one from Texas, uh, a kid named Nick Timberlake from Towson who can shoot the three. I, I really think they're the best team in the country. So... Uh, they're they're going to start out that way in our poll. Purdue, it's an eternal mystery. Um, this was this wasn't the first flameout uh, uh, by Purdue in the tournament, and, and it just makes you wonder because uh, Matt Painter is universally uh, recognized among his peers and and among media as one of the best coaches and best guys in in college basketball. So. It's a shocker. Uh, the only thing I can think of last year, they started two freshman guards all year. And unless you've really been uh, in the fire of the NCAA tournament, it's it's a tough road to hoe. And, and, and that could be the reason. I don't know. But uh, some teams just seem to be destined to uh, bust up brackets. Yeah. <laughs> I know it busted up mine. And I, I would never, ever, ever in a million years – uh, pick Fairleigh Dickinson to beat Purdue. Not in a million years. I don't know that anybody outside of Fairleigh Dickinson would, would pick them to beat Purdue. In, no. In a and, 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 you know, I mean, some people fill out a bunch of brackets, and the ones who win those uh, bracket contests are the ones who just, you know, they start picking flyers, uh, you know, after they've put in their hundredth bracket. And it doesn't make anybody like a genius or a, or a seer. They just, you know, they finally picked the upset. 
Chris, one of the hardest things to do in sports to me is repeat as NCAA tournament champion. Even get back to the Final Four after you won the title, won those six games the previous year. How do you feel like Danny Hurley and UConn can, can make another run this season? You know, they, they lost a lot. No, there's no question. They lost a lot of firepower. Sonogo, I think, was one of the best pure low-post big men in the country. Jordan Hawkins left. Uh, he was one of their better three-point threats and obviously an experienced big wing. Same with Andre Jackson Jr. Uh, not quite the three-point shooter, but another big wing and and a guy that uh, that could do some things defensively. Uh and then they lost some some other uh, uh, people that contributed mightily. Jo- Joey Calcaterra came one year from San Diego and and fulfilled what they needed him to do. He shot forty four percent from three. So uh, UConn was able to blow people away because they had such great shooting. And now there'll be different people in different roles. But the fact that Tristan Newton came back, the transfer from East Carolina. A lot of people kind of criticized him. You know, they weren't sure he was a pure point guard, but he's definitely a a big guard who's experienced and can do some things. And once again, shoot the three. And uh, the other guy that I like that's back is Donovan Klingon. I call him Klingon from Star Trek days because this guy is a warrior, just a crazy uh, big low post presence, 7'2", 265. He's going to be counted on now that Sonogo's gone to step up, and I believe he will. I think he'll be uh, one of the more impactful sophomores in the country as they use him. And then, of course, they went back to the portal and found some players that can fit in. They got this kid, Diara, from Texas A&M. He's an experienced uh, guard. So uh, I I think that UConn's got a, a definite way of doing things our story is unbelievable as I'm looking it up here, the blue ribbon story, it's 6,200 words. Uh, Ken Davis wrote it. He covered UConn for years. He's one of the best all time UConn beat writers. He also went to Kansas. So he wrote our Kansas story. Hmm. It's 7,000 words. I'm like, dude, you do know we're not paying by the word. (laughs) It doesn't matter to Ken. He's just a baller like Lindsay is and, like I am and like all of us are, we we just like writing about basketball. But, you know, I think UConn's got a chance. You, you never know, uh, sort of like Lindsey said, you never know from year to year how good you are in the regular season. It takes a few breaks in postseason play, but UConn is certainly a team that's wired to go back a long way. And, again, they've figured it out. You have to have four, maybe five guys who can shoot high – 30s, low 40s from three. And if you do that, you know, coach's blood pressure is going to be controllable <laughs> without medication, you know, because uh, you can build big leads or you can come back from big deficits. And we should mention uh, Lindsey Wilhite, the uh, associate editor of Blue Ribbon, uh, and he wrote a couple of the previews in the Big Ten as well as the Mac. Uh, he's going to join us here in just a minute or two. Uh, it does seem like every time we do a podcast, in the space in between, there's more conference shifting going on. The ACC is adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU, which seems absolutely insane. The Pac-12 is down to the Pac-2, and ironically enough, that league's off to a great start in football this year. But but all this conference realignment, it just never seems to end. This one is uh, bizarre. That's the word I can think of. Uh, people are joking about the ACC now. It stands for All Coasts Conference. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Stanford and Cal have great athletic programs, not necessarily in basketball in recent years, but they've won a lot of NCAA tournaments in a lot of different sports. I think they'll add to the league, but what does it mean for travel? Uh, it just seems insane. How will it work? Uh, and then SMU, I, I just don't – I'm trying to rack my brain about what value – SMU brings unless they just wanted the Texas market, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area. That's the only thing I can think of because they certainly, although they've been okay in basketball, they haven't been great. Uh, and, you know, football, I guess everything is driven by football. And I just, again, and I know we're going to talk about it, bemoan the loss of the Pac 12. And it could have all been avoided. I mean, as I've read more since our last podcast, I mean, they turned down a deal with ESPN, turned it down. I mean, thinking they were going to get better. I mean, Thursday basketball with Bill Walton and Dave Pash was must-see TV, and they just blew that. They just threw it away. So, you know, their commissioner made some bad mistakes. They didn't mollify USC and UCLA, and they're paying the price. Well, they paid the price. The league's gone. And now the only solution is is for some sort of reverse merger. I've heard that the Mountain West may blend into the Pac-12. Really, the Mountain West would save the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 has the name. And right now, the, the only two left standing, Oregon State and Washington State, are, I think, suing to find out who controls that name and especially who controls that little kitty of money that's in there when people leave. And despite what other people think, the Pac-12 network, it, it reported revenue of $117 million and expenses of $77 million. I didn't major, major in math in college, but that's, that's a pretty good profit. Our guest this week is a guy who is uh, one of the associate editors of Blue Ribbon and just a uh, terrific writer and, and reporter for college basketball. And uh, I know, Chris, uh, part of your staff for, for a long time, Lindsey Wilhite, uh, joins us now. He wrote the Purdue and Michigan State previews and also covers the MAC. Lindsey, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome. Well, uh, not because man, of me, you, because of you guys, but I'm, I'm just glad to be here. No, no. I, you're, I, I got to thinking we haven't never had him on. And that's my fault because I usually book the guests, but I really wanted to have you on this time because you got to, to slide into the saddle a little bit as associate editor. You finally kind of broken off on your own after being in newspapers for years and and going to the dark side of PR for a little while. And uh, I was really glad when you texted me uh, one day and, and said, yeah, I think I'm going to try to go it as a freelancer and i thought man i can fix you up brother so uh, (laughs) we quickly agreed to have him uh take on a a larger role with blue ribbon and tell us a little bit how that went you sort of got to look behind the screen you know of the great and powerful laws (laughs) (laughs) well i think i'm i I don't know exactly how many years i've been doing this maybe 15 or so i i I shattered a shattered a to count but uh you know for so many years it was I write about half of the Big Ten previews for you. I do all the MAC previews. And then I was like every other basketball fan where I had to wait for the book to come out or wait for the download in order to see what, you know, Kansas was up to or UCLA or or my alma mater, Illinois State, whatever was going on. And now 
since you let me uh, handle most of the uh, editing for the top 25, it, it was it was great. It, it, it was a college junkies, uh, you know, paradise that I can in July or August, I can see what exactly is North Carolina doing? What's Duke doing? You know, who, who do they got? Like UCLA, I, I would have never known. I, I don't I what, wouldn't pay enough attention. I was so focused on the Mac or the Big Ten. I didn't know, like in the past, what was, what was happening elsewhere. Like UCLA is bringing in, what, five, six guys from Europe. Um you know, exactly. you learn about USC. You, you you get the skinny on LeBron James Jr. You get you get the, it's it, it was it was fantastic. It, it was a I don't know how to say this. It, w- it was a little bit sad when the book came out. Oh, the the other good thing is that hey, if I wanted to read about again my alma mater, Illinois State, my daughter goes to Brown. I, I read about Mike Mart Mike Barton's crew. One of these days, doggone it, they're going to get in the top four and make it in the Ivy League playoffs. <laughs> you know, I, 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 almost every day I would think. You know, I'm I'm curious of you know like what what's Wyoming doing or whatever, and I I'd, I'd go in the go in the Dropbox and 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 sneak a peek. So when the when the book actually came out, eh, it was a little bit of a letdown. I'd already read half of it, but uh, exactly. that leaves me a half to go, right? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, uh, uh, you're not like the guy who ca- who every year uh, he stays awake for 48 straight hours and reads it cover to cover. That man needs help, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is, is that why you, you you cut a few words on e- on each story just to give him uh, he only has to stay up for forty six hours this this year? <laughs> yeah, too. exactly. Uh, we we were actually we did a really good job of squeezing everything in last year when the designer went to uh, put the, the book together, and we have to keep it in in four hundred pages. We were twenty six pages over, and Lindsay and I figured that was the result of, of just the two of us. <laughs> if we could cut down. Uh, we, we like to write about basketball. So we both cut down our work a little bit this year, and we were only four pages over, which that was no problem for the designer. She can nice. work her magic on that. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun working with you, though, and I'm really glad that you're a bigger part and, and kind of got to see how uh, how the sausage is made, so to speak. Well, it gave me a whole new appreciation for, for you and what John Whitehouse did in the past. And, and so, like, I figure I – semi lived the book for a few weeks you're living the book you know 24 hours a day for what three months four months however many i i forget yeah. I, you probably sent me the original email to get things growing was it january february when it, maybe yeah. even last yeah. fall i don't you, you're, I'm you're always thinking it. about it it might have been last fall i think that's when you told me you were leaving your pr job but but it, yeah so i so if if, if However much I I lived it you lived it 10 times 20 times as much so so kudos to you for doing this year after year after year I appreciate that. Lindsay, wanted to ask you about uh, the, the teams you wrote, uh, starting with Purdue. Uh, you begin your preview story with, with really what everybody is not remembering about last season is that they won the Big Ten by three games, the conference tournament title, or number one seed for the NCAA tournament. But then the loss to Fairleigh Dickinson, where you know they dared to Purdue to shoot threes, and they went five for 26. For a team that has all five starters back, do they just have to address that head-on and just hope for something like maybe we saw with Virginia a few years ago? Yeah, Matt Painter has done a terrific job talking with me. Every other thing I've seen, he doesn't hesitate to say, "Hey, you know, you you it, it gnaws at you. It should gnaw at you. It, it should it should bother you. You can't just slough it off and say, ah, uh, you know, eh, that was last year, or eh, that uh, you know that, that happens. You know, it 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 bothers them, and I, and I think it has it it has affected the way they work, and it also obviously affected the way they they built their team in the off season. Um, and, and, and it's funny in the NIL era, how it, it's almost like you, you are a GM and you are, you are building your roster. So obviously FDU exposed, and I was just rewatching this a little bit ago. Um, 
when Fairleigh Dickinson had sometimes they had three and four guys around Zach Eady. They were daring guys to shoot. Um, and it's not easy to uh, let me let me backtrack here for a second. So Purdue was not even in the in the preseason top 25 last year. And then in the in the stretch of 13 days, they beat Marquette, West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. And that's with two freshman guards. And Edie was not was not not considered a preseason All American even. He was maybe first team All Big Ten, but he he was not Zach Edie yet. Um, so they they were good from the jump. They were ready to play last year. They they obviously had a great season, but it's hard to win with freshman guards. Fletcher Lawyer, for example, started every game at the two. Shot thirty-seven percent from three in the first half of the season when they were seventeen and one. Shot twenty-four percent from three in, in the second half of the season when uh, obviously it turned out the way the way it did. Um, so they have pretty much everybody back. They lost two backup guards. Um, they added Lance Jones from Southern Illinois, a grad transfer. Scored over fifteen hundred points, almost three hundred assists, two hundred threes. Addressed what they needed. They needed a a bigger wing who can defend. He was a two time All Defensive Player in the Missouri Valley. So they've got him to go with Braden Smith and with Lawyer. They have a top seventy five freshman, Miles Colvin, who again big wing, a guy who can defend. They 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 got burned by FDU. He's a kid who played on the uh, the FIBA U19 team, the World Cup team. Not, they played World Cup, whatever it was. Wherever yeah. they played, he was on that U19 team. Uh, they had a, a kid sitting out, a six foot six kid, Cam Heidi, who I guess he was putting on shows before a game, just dunking all over the place. And everything. Again, another big wing, a kid who can shoot a three, a kid who can defend. They, they want to make sure they have more than enough guys who can do all these things. So, hey, they shot five of 26 from, uh, from three against FDU. And maybe a couple of guys are cold. You got other guys. Maybe there are some guys who are who are breaking you down on the dribble. You got more guys to defend on the wing. They 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 have tried to kind of recession proof their team. Yeah. They're and again as as you mentioned there, they won the Big Ten by three games. They were they were they were number one seed. They were they were a really good team. They should only be better. Um, does that guarantee you're not going to slip on a banana against St. Peter's or FDU or some other New Jersey school? I can't even think of. Uh, we, 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 we have, of course, that doesn't guarantee that. Yeah. But they are going to be good. I talked with Zach Eady this summer and asked him, okay, well, how, how can you get better? Because one of Matt Painter's things is that Zach Eady was not only the best player in the country, which he was, he was the consensus un- unanimous player of the year. He might have also been the most improved player. So I go, well, how, how can you – and Painter thinks he has – Plenty more to do, and Edie is, is a very. It, it was it was just a fun conversation. He, he's he's aware of who he is. He's 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 very cognizant of, of of what kind of player he is. He's like, well, you know, I probably can't make as big a statistical jump. He he was twenty two and thirteen last year, but I can do better in ball screens on offense. I can do better, you know, defending the pick and roll defensively. I can get us into motion better. I, I you know, I these things might not add up statistically, but they can add up to us winning more, which I thought was a was a great answer. Because realistically, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to average jump eight more points a game and jump yeah. four more rebounds. He's not going to average thirty and seventeen. Although not that he didn't have some thirty and twenty games. Anyway, whatever. Purdue will be better, but there, there's always going to be that thing in in the in their crowd. They've got they've got more than enough players. They've got as many players as you can possibly want. They've got every type of player you need. You have the defending national player of the year, who is. Whether he wins the national player again is 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 almost moot. He's still going to be that good, but you yeah. can't you can't control whether somebody else is going to come out of nowhere and 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 be a great player. They have everything they need to get to their first Final Four since 1980. I think what's really cool is is you you've also written Michigan State for us for years, and 
after every time you talk to Coach Izzo, you always text me or call me and just say how awesome and great he was. Tell us a little bit about the relationship uh, Blue Ribbon and you have built with him and and just how, you know, understanding of the media and, and how much he gives of his time uh, to us. So it, Tom Izzo is is what he, he's a national treasure, right? First of all, he's a Michigan straight treasure. Yeah. Um, they, they've named the, the football building after him. <laughs> they, he has, I mean, he, he, he is, he has been there for so many years that he, he, he is, he is everybody's favorite. Like if, if, if a hockey recruit come, comes into town, uh, they might swing by the basketball office and, and let that kid get in front of Izzo for 15 minutes. And when it's 15 minutes with Izzo, it's really a half hour because he takes an interest in this. If, yeah. if, if um, you know, anything, anything happens at Michigan state, it involves him. He feels responsible. He will take the time. Um, so to, to get time with him, I, and, and I didn't build the relationship, but the Blue Room relationship, you built the relationship, or, or previous people who, who wrote the stories built the relationship with him. But he, he appreciates the time. It's, it's not a hit and run conversation. It usually has to happen. He'll get maybe a, one or two weekends a summer where he can sneak away to his uh, to his lake house. So it, it, it's usually set up where he knows he's going to be driving for a couple hours. And okay, he can either sit in silence or listen to music, or he can or he can you know knock out this interview. So we. I usually say, you know, please, Max, can I can I have twenty minutes with him? Or can I have a half hour? Knowing full well it's going to turn into an hour. And and this year we talked, and you know, we 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 ran the gamut of things. Obviously, we talked about his team. We talked about other teams. We talked about NIL. We talked about the transfer portal, which he despises. We didn't actually didn't talk about Twitter this year, <laughs> which, which we've done in previous years, where he, you know, he just doesn't get. He he's not interested in the, the social media. Does not benefit him. He he he's not interested in that. <laughs> But um, you know, we, we talked about agents. I'm 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 just curious how it all how everything works in this new era. And you know, a time or two, he, you know, like asked me, "Are you an idiot?" You know, because I, I ask questions. I don't know how it works. He, he's in the thick of yeah. it. I don't I don't know how these how these things work. But but it, it's a it's a fun conversation. Hopefully, I I amuse him enough or intrigue him enough that, that he enjoys it too. And and I think he does, or else he would he would cut it short. But man, I mean. It, as so many, as as you know, so many of some of our legendary coaches have have retired. Right, Hay is gone. Roy Williams is gone. You know, name 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 the guys. They're they're on the sideline. Yeah, Beheim. He he's he's one of the last guys standing. He hasn't missed the NCAA tournament since 1998. He's been to eight Final Fours in that time. He's the last Big Ten team to win a championship back in 2000. Man, I was young when we were all there. That was still the Hoosier Dome then when they uh, when they beat Florida. I, I, I still picture um, Mitch Album somehow being in the middle of the uh, the celebratory scrum with the with the players and, and the coaches somehow there in in, uh, in the Hoosier Dome. Um, but he, um, he he's get, he's got a great team. He's he's missing Joey Hauser from last year, and how Joey Hauser was not All Big Ten, I have no idea. He was a he was a four perfect four man for for their offense. Led them in threes with seventy seven threes. Shot forty six percent from three rebounder score they they will miss him but he's got hey he re, he replenished with two mcdonald's all-americans as part of the number three class in the in the uh, country so it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they fare Lindsay, one more question for you and maybe this isn't a short answered question but you also covered the <laughs> mac as we mentioned and, and wrote the preview it, it's been such a good league in basketball and everything else for years but the portal and nil have obviously made it tough on teams in that conference how do the coaches there just try to deal with all that 
Boy, that's a <laughs> so that's I think that's one of the unintended consequences of NIL, right? Is that and and one coach said to me, you know what what I think happens is that the the boosters and so on they pick up your publications and they look and see who's on the preseason all uh, all conference team. That's where they start their shopping list for next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ray J. Dennis, um, Toledo, great point guard, player of the year. Uh, obviously, he's now with Baylor, and 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 I guess you can't expect maybe a, a kid who who played so well to stick around for for one more year in the MAC, but he's getting paid pretty well to uh, to go play one one year with in the in the Big Twelve. Um, it, it's it's just part of the deal, and 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 you 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 try to. I I I really don't know how they what what they say in the room themselves. Obviously, you want players to be the most they can be, and you can't be, begrudge a kid who's played great to move on. But but that but that's a hard thing. Like um, Ohio, a couple of years years ago, they beat uh, they beat Virginia in the first round, and then um, oddly, and they with Jason Preston who went ahead and went to the NBA. But uh, Ben Vanderplas, who was a key player in the in the in the defeat of Virginia. He stays at Ohio one more year, and then last year, who does he play for? Virginia. Virginia. So it's a tight squeeze. You 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 try to you try to maybe do a little better with with freshmen, right? You you now now freshmen are getting short shrift. Maybe you're getting a better quality freshman than you uh, than than you got in the past, and you try to build him up. Maybe you you're you're hitting the JUCOs a little bit and trying to build up that way. But the other, the other tough thing with the MAC is for the last twenty odd years they've been a one bid league. Right. No matter how good a Toledo Toledo has won the league three years in a row, and still has not. And they they've been you know 60, 70, 80 in in the Ken Palm, so not quite good enough to be in the in the conversation for the uh, for an at large berth. But then they you know they flip up in the semis or the finals of, of the Mac area and good darn good teams terrific offensive teams and you just can't get there so it's a it's a tough go but at the same time you know you're you're in you're in the game right John Gross Akron is the is the team this year John Gross obviously has been he's he was the assistant with the Greg Oden uh, Mike Conley teams at Ohio State he had several years at Illinois where he, he had a nice run there and now you know he 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 lives it. He loves it. He, he's great in the MAC, and you know it's 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 always a battle. There's always three or four great teams battling for that one spot. Lindsey, great to have you with us. Uh, just great insight into these teams, and looking forward to, to reading all of your material in this year's Blue Ribbon. But uh, he wrote the Purdue and Michigan State previews, and also the MAC as well. Thanks a lot for the time, and I hope we can catch up with you again down the road. Anytime, when you have an unlimited bandwidth and you need uh, somebody to uh, <laughs> blow your ears off, just give a shout. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, man. I'll see you. Great visiting with associate editor of Blue Ribbon, Lindsey Wilhite. Just really good previews and, and looks at inside Purdue and Michigan State. He talked about the uh, the long conversation with Tom Izzo. And by all accounts, and I've never met Tom Izzo. Uh, we, we played at Michigan State one time when I was at Belmont. He is is truly, as you guys were talking about, one of the great guys in the game. My friend Tim Thompson, who I work with on the Vanderbilt game, said that uh, he felt like Tom Izzo was one of the best people he'd ever met in sports. And Tim worked for Nike for years, and you know they they worked with the teams a lot. And uh, he told a story about going to a cookout at Tom Izzo's house and just how gracious he was, and uh, you know he was behind the grill the whole time and making sure everybody (laughs) was taken care of and all those things. So uh, that that's good stuff, and uh, always fun to hear about conversations with him and uh, about those teams. 
This is the portion of the podcast where we uh, talk about other assorted fun topics. And uh, I wanted to ask you about a concert you saw recently. You went down to First Bank Amphitheater in Franklin, uh, not too far down the road from where I live, uh, just outside Nashville, and saw the Doobie Brothers. You and your son went to the concert. I had to work or I would have totally gone. The band was missing a notable member, but it sounded like just a fantastic show. I never got to see them, and they were one of my teenage years, uh, high school and college soundtrack-type bands. And I I don't know how or why I didn't see this, but Tom Johnson, their lead singer and co-founder, uh, went out and, and left the tour in May because he had to undergo back surgery. And I did not know that. So uh, when their bass player on the first song was singing a, a lead that Tom Johnson usually sings. I, I nudged my son and I said, where the heck is Tom Johnson? This is his lead. And, and uh, you know, I said, maybe they're, they're just setting him up for a, for a big, you know, appearance. And he didn't show. So my son Googled it on his phone and, and said, you're not going to like this dad. And, and uh, I was really bummed. And, he asked me, would that have affected your decision to come at all? And I had to think about that. I still don't know the answer to that. I, I might not have, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I went. The First Bank Amphitheater, my wife uh, works for First Bank, I might add, uh, uh, and they own that place. They built that place, uh, and it looks great. It's a huge, built out of some rock quarry amphitheater uh tons of acreage around it my only complaint is it's tough to get in and out out of because uh, the roads are narrow and uh but we we got there early and and uh left early uh to avoid the, the traffic we we didn't stay for the encore we were dead sprinting past hundreds of people to get to our car <laughs> it was great to see you know patrick simmons is a founding member and yeah when when he sings black water you know uh, that's that's his song and michael mcdonald of course in the second half of the band's history he sort of took over tom johnson had left then for health reasons and and uh it was cool to see him and in person i think they're great artists uh the, all the band members are talented at their at their instruments and uh, they all sing and they've all contributed uh, uh songs as writers so it was good to see them, but Tom Johnston, I mean, it, it's kind of like going to see Hall and & Oates and Daryl Hall is, is like I laid up in the hospital or something, you know? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't quite compare it to seeing the Beatles and John Lennon that doesn't show, but but it was something like that, you know? And I, I just really wanted to see him. I think he has one of the unique voices and uh, and most underrated front men in, in rock history and just wanted to see him, but that's the breaks. Maybe, maybe yeah. next time. Uh, Pat Simmons made a joke that it was their 50th anniversary, which they actually celebrated in 2020, but they couldn't go out on the road because uh, of COVID. And he said, we're still calling it the 50th. And this is like the 52nd or 53rd. 
it's still working for us. <laughs> um, they've just been a you know a great band for a long time, and uh, I've seen Michael McDonald. Amy and I saw him at the Ryman one time, and it was a that was fantastic. I mean, it was just hit after hit. But I've also been to First Bank Amphitheater. Uh, we went down there and we saw Harry Connick Jr. It, it wasn't too long after the place had opened, and that, that's such a neat venue in that rock quarry. But like you're saying, yeah. it's not the easiest place to get in or get out, and it's also not the uh, the easiest place during a, a thunderstorm, which we had to wait out a, a long delay and. Uh, we thought the concert was going to get canceled and so we we just hung around we figured we're already here we're already soaking wet so we just wait around and see what happens and uh harry connick ended up coming out and playing it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and it was down to close family and friends i think by the time the show started and so we, we moved down close and it was a great show we saw the whole thing and uh, a lot of people had left and gone home but we were we were glad that we waited out the weather uh we always like to give our uh, spoiler filled uh thoughts on this whatever star wars series is going on in this case it's ahsoka we're we're three episodes in now my four. son okay four i guess the you've seen three i've seen three okay so yeah there's four episodes in my son seems to understand the storyline better than i do because he watched the the, the animated series is star wars rebels where he has a lot of the same characters and that, clone wars, yeah and yeah. clone wars that, that are in ahsoka um, to me, some of it's a, a little bit hard to follow, maybe because I, I just don't understand the, the arc of the, the story, maybe as well as, as you or my son or, or some others do. But uh, we've seen some good battles so far, and I'm kind of wondering where, where the whole thing is going to go as they've uh, uh, they've switched hands with this uh, map a couple of times, or the map has changed hands, I should say, and, uh, and now now you wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's, you know, and and I'm like you. My, my son knows the Star Wars canon more than I do. He's read the books. He's watched the animated shows. And I don't think you have to have that knowledge to enjoy Ahsoka. First of all, love, love, love Rosario Dawson. Uh, you know, I'd watch her in anything. But, uh, you know, this is similar. It's Jedis. It's it's lightsabers. It's battles. uh you know, so that that sort of theme is 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 going to be similar. But I like the way that they're spinning off this great idea that George Lucas had back in the day, uh, owing to the serials that he watched on Saturday afternoon at the motion picture theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, kudos to him; he's a deservedly a rich man because of that idea. Just sort of an amalgam amalgamation of all the the movies he'd seen as a kid and Ahsoka is definitely part of that, but you haven't seen the fourth one. And, and I don't know if I should spoil it for you or not, but I'll just say this. Uh, there's a battle Royale, like there seemingly is uh, every, every episode. And Ahsoka is a Jedi having been trained by one of the ultimate Jedi masters who we all know, uh, it turned out to be Darth Vader. And in this episode, ah- ah- Ahsoka is, is duking it out. She's holding her own. And then all of a sudden, boom, over a cliff. Then we don't see her. And then the scene cuts to, and I'm not going to ruin it for oh, you. Oh, yeah, I, I have actually seen this one. I, I've actually oh, seen it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. The, I couldn't remember if that was cuts, the third or the fourth one. Uh, but yeah, it I've, was I've the seen fourth that one. Okay. Uh, it, it cuts to the, the world between worlds. So she's in limbo here. Uh, you know, sort of betwixt in between, and she spots uh, her old master, Anakin Skywalker, uh, a.k.a. Darth Vader. So it'll be interesting, as one uh, pundit I, I read a review of, 
can can uh, can Anakin Skywalker sort of redeem uh, his character in, in this world between worlds and and how they build the future? That would be the ultimate reclamation project uh, <laughs> to, to to take the the guy that I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the American Film Institute. Uh, in their poll of, of, of the 2000 or of the, the previous century uh, noted Darth Vader as the ultimate bad guy of all time. And it would be really cool if they could rehabilitate him somehow in Ahsoka. Dave Filoni, who's the showrunner and also uh, handled the Clone Wars uh, and is a Star Wars expert, uh, that would be a big one to pull off. Uh, I'm just wondering if, if they can... Uh, rehabilitate Hayden Christensen (laughs) who got nailed in George Lucas's prequels. George is a great idea, man, a great execution, man. But uh, his dialogue falls a little flat and Hayden Christensen was sort of got ripped for that back in the day when he played a young Anakin. So uh, now that he's got a little snappier, a little peppier, a little zippier dialogue, you know, uh, We'll see what he can do, but uh, that world between worlds meeting between Ahsoka and Anakin was pretty cool. And I can't wait till tomorrow. We're taping this on a Monday. Uh, We'll see what happens when uh, episode five uh, drops. I, I thought those were interesting scenes too, with uh, Hayden Christensen popping up as as Anakin Skywalker in his old role. I guess Darth Vader did sort of redeem himself at the end of Return of the Jedi when he threw the Emperor True. over the uh, down the threw, down the shaft. Of threw him arm. over the boards. Right, exactly. <laughs> threw him over the boards. That's a great way of looking at it. Like a hockey. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think our show is like a world between worlds sometimes. Uh, uh, today, it's definitely been. Especially this part of the show. Uh, Chris, I want to say congratulations to your wife, Patty, on her retirement from banking. I know you guys have a big celebration coming up this week, so that is super cool. Congratulations. And uh, uh, she not only uh, works in the banking world and has for many years, but she's also a big part of the uh, the Blue Ribbon operation. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, First Bank's loss is my gain. I'm going to get her full time to kind of help uh, – once I took over the company myself from some partners in 2017, I like to keep my, call me uh, control freak if you want, uh, OCD if you like. I like to keep my finger on the pulse of every aspect of anything that I'm associated with. So I've jumped into the fulfillment uh, whole hog too, to make sure that we beat all records. I'm a big guy on beating records. Uh, we had a record uh, time to the printer this year, a record time of putting out our digital edition. And now I want to set a record for fulfillment, which we do every year and break every year. So we'll see about that. But it is good to have her back. And as long as we're on the subject of good news, uh, you got a little news. It's long overdue. It, it reminds me of when Paul McCartney uh, got into the Rock Hall of Fame <laughs> as a solo artist and his daughter Stella the world famous uh, fashion designer had a t-shirt and uh, it had a swear word on there and we have a clean rating on Apple so I can't say it but the shirt said about effing time <laughs> and Paul looked at it and laughed and said oh she'll say anything but uh, I think it's about effing time that you got in uh, your high school's uh, uh, what do they call it? Hall of Honor? Yeah, Hall of Honor. And I appreciate you saying that. And uh, yeah, it's really neat. Uh, they're having the little luncheon on Friday 
uh, this week. Uh, I went to Bowling Green High School in Kentucky, and uh, it's really a cool thing. The high school itself has been around since 1908. They they started the Hall of Honor a little over 30 years ago, I think. But for a school that's been around 115 years, counting our three-person class this year, there's only 248 members uh, of the Hall of Honor. I'm the fourth person from my class of 1989, and um, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing everybody. I'm supposed to give a speech. I'm on the 10th rewrite of the speech, so uh, we're working, working through through that. Oh, I'll bet you'll yeah. kill that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I was I, actually asked to, <laughs> to write a letter on your behalf, and I said, this is going to be easy. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, he starts his career at WSM, one of the legendary uh, 50,000 uh, watt clear channel stations of all time. Then he moves over and, and engineers the number one at, at one time. This was the number one sports talk show in America in terms of market saturation at another station that shall remain nameless for reasons <laughs> that I've mentioned before. Uh, but he does that. And and then uh, now he's he's a legend because he's uh, once you become the radio voice of an SEC team, you are a legend. So I said, this is going to be an easy letter. It was. I sent it. I hope it did you some good. Uh, or maybe they threw it away because they know how, how good of buddies we are. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but uh, congrats, man. I, I think that's very cool. And, and uh, if it weren't for – you mentioned my wife's retirement ceremony. I would be there front and center. Oh, I, I know you would. And uh, yeah, it's it's tough. Things always seem to happen on the same day. But uh, on Friday, yeah, they're going to have a luncheon. And I think we're supposed to speak to students in the afternoon. And then at the football game, it's, it's the homecoming day for football. So at the football game in the evening, they're going to recognize us at the game and uh, give us a, a plaque, I think, and, and special recognition on the field. So it, it's really cool. The other two folks, one is a, a musician um, who's, who's just played with everybody and been on movie soundtracks and so forth and and the other person uh, she has opened education centers has run education centers and things uh, around southern kentucky uh, for a lot of years has been a teacher and uh, just a really uh, cool story there too so i, I do not know either one uh, names are chris and, and carla i don't i don't know either um they're both from classes in the 80s as well but i'm looking forward to, to spending some time with them and it's neat to think that you know people i've never met before will always have a connection of this thing and um, uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun and I really appreciate everyone who's had kind things to say on social media or wherever when they, they made the announcement a couple weeks ago they, they put out a release and so uh, it's really special to get that recognition and looking forward to uh, to that coming up on Friday. Chris, uh, as always, fun to do the uh, Blue Ribbon podcast. Congratulations again on uh, having the Blue Ribbon yearbook done. I know the additional editions are out and uh, those those printed copies will be in people's hands very soon but congratulations and job well done once again this year thank you sir and congrats again to you for the honor that uh i thought should have happened about a decade ago but that's <laughs> here new there all right well, we'll talk to you next time he's chris dorch i'm kevin ingram that is the blue ribbon college basketball podcast